This week, Comics in Motion has an excellent offer exclusively for our listeners. TKO Comics is revolutionizing the comic industry. They have creator-owned series from heavy hitters like Garth Ennis, Jeff Lemire, Joshua Desart, Roxanne Gay, and many more. If you go to tkopresents.com slash discount slash motion20 and use the code motion20 at checkout, you'll receive a 20% discount exclusively for Comics in Motion listeners. That's tkopresent.com slash discount slash motion20 and use the promo code motion20. Happy reading. To the Batmobile. Let's go. Come on, Bob. For old times, huh? Harley Quinn, nice to meet ya. <laughs> Pardon my French. Fuck those fuckers. This is my favorite Marvel character ever, but you should never meet your heroes because honestly, he's a bit of a dick. Now might be a really good time for you to get angry. That's my secret, Captain. I am Hello and welcome to Comics in Motion TV and Movie Reviews for shows that are based on comic books. I'm your host Dave Horrocks and what we like to do here is we like to spoil the hell out of everything we review. So if you haven't watched our choice of the week, then I'd advise you to proceed with caution. And remember, with an average podcast comes no responsibility. Today, my regular co-host, Chris, is busy on the naughty step for dissing one of my favorite movies, Mall Rats, last week <laughs> on the VHS Strikes Back. So this week... I'm joined by not one, but two fantastic guests. Firstly, we have the host of Indie Comics Spotlight, Tony Farina. Welcome to the show, Tony. Hello. Thank you, Dave. Thanks for having me back. I'm excited. Awesome. Awesome. And next, we have Mike Burton from Genuine Chit Chat and Star Wars Comics in Canon. So welcome to the show, Mike. Welcome once again. It's great to be here. Also funny, just I realized this is this show is the reason that me and Tony actually know each other and got chatting. We collaborated for the first time through us kind of seeing each other on this show. So it's really cool to us. I don't think you and I have been on uh, Comics in Motion, the TV and movies show together, Tony. So it's a We have not. No, it was because you're right. It was I heard you on here. And um, I had already been on, and then we, um, and then, yeah, no, you were on first. You did Dread, the Dread episode. Yeah, Dread, then, yeah. yeah. Everything. So, Dave and Chris, thank you. <laughs> yeah, no worries. And, you know, I'm sure we've gushed about this on one podcast that we were talking about. I can't remember which one it was. Maybe yours, Mike. But we've just kind of got this little pocket of the geek universe, haven't we? And uh, on Comics in Motion, where we've got all these different shows and our little group and it's such such a great little community i I honestly love it it's so much fun there's so many great collaborations like just like being in the group chat that obviously the public can't see is just like there's so many collaborations always churning and people always like bouncing ideas off each other and it's really nice to be able to kind of share each other's content and talk about oh oh this episode was good oh it's you know not only critiques about things but also collaborations and just a yeah it's a nice little bubble and what I like about it as well is there's so much toxicity, isn't there? <laughs> around, <laughs> you know, some of comics fandom and uh, certainly, you know, Star Wars fandom and anything fandom, I think. And, and uh, you know, we, we poke fun for sure, but uh, it's, it's always pretty lighthearted and respectful. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I know it's great. I'm, I'm thrilled to be in it. And I know it's like, I always feel, cause I'm the only American in there for now um, that <laughs> I get in, I like get up and I think I get up pretty early my time, but I'm looking and there's like a whole life of conversations that I've missed. I'm like, Oh, I'm, I want to comment on something Dan said 12 hours ago. Uh, 
<laughs> I do fun. feel bad. I do yeah. feel bad no, about it's it. It's fine. It's totally fine. It's like I'm in my own time warp now. It's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it just springs into life for no apparent reason. Then, right. Uh, It'll be like nobody out. comments anything for three days, and then yeah. <laughs> people were throwing elbows. Nobody went yeah. about work. When I got yeah, loads to do at work. <laughs> It's the Britishness, Tony. We're all very respectful, but once someone breaks the seal, that's that's it. You can't shut us up. <laughs> now, Tony, yes, I'm going to start with you because you uh, reviewed the book of the movie that we are going to talk about this week. So, would you like to tell the listeners what we're going to review? Yeah, we're going to review Edgar Wright's film adaptation of Brian Lee O'Malley's Scott Pilgrim versus the World. I'm very excited. So that was a, a really great show, and it taught me a lot, quite honestly, about the comics and, and had me looking at it in a completely different light. But, I mean, do you want to, in case anyone hasn't listened to that, and I recommend that you do go and listen to that, it's a great show. But, Tony, what, what's your kind of background with the book and, and the movie? Yeah, well, I actually, I didn't, I didn't read it when it came out. Like, I didn't read it until it was all done. Um, there's six volumes of it. So I actually didn't read it until the, so the movie comes out before the books were done, but I actually finished the books before I watched the movie. So I didn't even see the movie in real time. I'm, I'm a big Edgar Wright fan, but in 2010, I just, you know, my kids were, you know, all in elementary school, middle school. Um, you know, it's just like such a busy time in life. And so there's this stretch, um, and Dave, you know, that, and Mike, you'll eventually find out where you just like lose 15 years of culture in your life because you have kids and like, you know, a lot about what's on Nickelodeon or whatever kids thing is happening. And you know, but you have no idea what is for adults. So I didn't come to it right away, but when I finally got around to it and uh, being a big Edgar Wright fan, you know, I was excited um, to see the film. So um, I just, I think I came, I was, I'm older than them, you know, when I read it too. And I think that actually helped me appreciate the characters a little bit more being uh, older than they were. Um, you know, but where Mike, you know, you're you're a little bit. You probably read it and saw this movie. Well, you haven't read it, but you probably saw this movie right in the right age where of everybody in the movie. So I'll be interested <laughs> to hear how you think about it. I mean, yeah, I mean, with me, I mean, I watched it um, at the cinema when it came out, and it came out ten oh, nice. years ago. So I'm 26 now, so I was 16 when I watched it, which was, and I, I would probably have liked to have thought of myself as quite a mature 16 year old. So I would probably associate myself a lot more with the ages of the people. I mean, I, I know Knives is young, but like I would have felt quite comfortable in ease with the people of that age group because I've got like older brothers and cousins and things I used to hang out with too. So it did really, yeah, it clicked for me a lot. And I saw it, I remember seeing the cinema and I was absolutely in love with it. It was just after I, completely got really into Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz. Uh, and so I was like, oh, Edgar Wright and Spaced as well. And I was like, Edgar Wright everything. And then Scott Pilgrim came out. I was like, this film is made for me. Because <laughs> it's like, I was really into Superbad as well. And I'm pretty certain that came out before this. Uh, so I was like, so did Michael Cera and Superbad. I mean, the guys used to watch Superbad all the time because we'd, you know, I used to have a big Jufro and like that. So I'd get compared to the main character in Superbad as well. And then Michael Cera is obviously the, nice. the smaller, skinnier one. Uh, and then Scott Pilgrim came out and I saw it at the cinema and I loved it. I watched it again in the cinema and then i remember getting it on dvd special edition two disc or whatever and watching it that day and then a mate of mine wanted to watch it so i watched it the following day and then someone else i know wanted to watch it so i watched it the following week so i watched it like five times in the space of like I don't know, eight months of it coming out and then i didn't watch it for a little while so it was uh it was brilliant and i loved it <laughs> 
honestly, Mike, I, I was dying to come on here and find out what your backstory to it was because mm. I know you, you're a big fan of the movie. But in the back of my mind, I, I, I was questioning, well, if you haven't read the comics, is anyone going to like this movie? Really? And, yeah, and I guess you've just answered my question because, I mean, it was a massive box office flop, wasn't it? Mm, it, it didn't yeah. do very well at all. It cost about $85 million to to make and made less than 50 at the box office. So, mm. you know, it absolutely did bomb uh, more than a movie does in, in the pandemic. So, <laughs> I, find it, I find it really interesting that, um, that, that I think, I think what you just said is spot on though, Mike, is that you were like a mature 16 year old you, and, and when you watch this and I'm sure we'll talk about this and in the book in particular, but really, it's really clear in the movie, they are really immature 20 something. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? So I feel like, um, for you to say like you get them, I think that's spot on. I think that's part of of what um, O'Malley and Wright are trying to tell us about, you know, like kind of arrested development of of adulthood a little bit. Yeah. Um, which is Michael Sarah was on Arrested Development, so it all, it all yeah, it works out. Yeah. But but uh, I think that's I think that's fascinating, and I think it's become kind of a cult classic now. I'm sure it's made its money back in DVD sales and everything. But mm-hmm. you were right, uh, David. Totally did bomb. Um, and it was one of those things that I don't even remember it playing. So it wasn't even on my radar when it was in the theater. It really wasn't until, you know, maybe 2014, 2015, when I read the, all the six books and then I watched the movie afterwards. So mm-hmm. I'm one of the reasons it didn't do well, you know, like <laughs> geared at comic geeks and I didn't even know about it. Well, the thing is as well is, uh, I'll just say, I did listen to uh, your uh, Indie Comic Spotlight, Tony, you and uh, Jake, I think it was. That yeah. was brilliant. And I, I actually it's- watched Scott Pilgrim on Monday. So this is a Wednesday. It was on Monday. I watched it two days ago. And I was listening to your podcast Sunday to Tuesday uh, on my when I was doing dishes, funnily enough. Um, so I, I, it, it was very interesting. I kind of went down a little rabbit hole on um, fandom. Uh, one of the, you know, when all the custom Wikipedia pages and things like Wikipedia is one of them and all that stuff. It all connects to one thing called fandom, and there's an app for it. And so I searched all nerdy stuff in there. I went on Scott Pilgrim, and I think I sent you guys the link where it's just all the differences between the comics yeah. and the movie because uh, you, Tony, were speaking about it a lot of the differences, and it was quite interesting to hear about it all. Um, so I, I want to throw that out there and say. That was cool. And I do recommend people go listen to that with or without this uh, conversation as well, because it does add a lot of stuff. And the chemistry you got with uh, Jake was really cool too. But back to uh, back to Scott Pilgrim. It, the thing is as well is I have an older brother who's been on the show before, my brother Rob, and he's 17 years older than me. And whenever we all talk about movies and things like that, you know, I'm quite a bit younger than most of you guys in Comics in Motion, like the whole group of us. But I've seen quite a decent amount of movies that people my age may not have either seen or don't appreciate as much not that no one my age likes cool films that makes it sound like such a dick but you know what i mean like (laughs) there's some random like when i was like 13 14 my brother was showing me predator and aliens and uh all those sorts of crazy films and he showed me like all of edgar wright stuff including spaced so me and him got excited for scott pilgrim coming out together so I think he was the first person I saw it with, actually. So that I was very, very aware of it. But I don't know many other people who were. I just know almost everyone else I've seen who's seen it has watched it on DVD or on Netflix or something. That's all right, Mike. You're like the Spider-Man of the Avengers. <laughs> I did think that when I watched Avengers, and I was like, and when he said aliens, I was like, oh yeah, and I was like, oh wait, <laughs> don't put your eggs at me. 
<laughs> so I guess this is going to be a really interesting discussion because I've got to tell you guys, and I think you might have nailed it. You've just made me see things in a different light, Tony. In 2011, oh, it's 2010, sorry. So when this comes out, there's no way I've, I can see it on the cinema. You know why? Because I've got three kids. Right. right? <laughs> there are people, and my third child was born in, in 2010. There were people in Guantanamo Bay who had more sleep than me. Right. <laughs> so there was no way I could make it to the cinema. Now, we did get to watch the occasional movie. Uh, we had a subscription to what became kind of uh, Netflix. It, it was called Love Film at the time. And, uh, you know, so we'd get a DVD every week, but you probably watch one every month or something like that. I used that. to get that. Yeah. But, yeah, it was a big deal to give up like an hour and a half, you know, and get an unbroken hour and a half to two hours to watch a movie. So if I watched something that didn't absolutely click with me in my sleep-deprived, angry, grumpy state, then I felt quite angry about it. I just wasted my time. and I could have been doing something better about it. Yeah. And I have to say, you know, I loved space. Um, Shaun of the Dead has to probably be one of my top 10 movies of all time. Just, there's something with that that just nails it for me. I think it's one of the best zombie films ever, if not the best, I, I which is controversial. So, yeah. but it, it's So over here, it's played all the time, isn't it? Mm. Well, probably. I've, I've not seen it recently, but it, it used, used to, to be, be on repeat pretty much on ITV2. And yeah. any time that I'd switch it over and I catch it like halfway through, it's like, right. I've start, uh, I've caught it now. I have to watch now the end Yeah, and you just always hope you didn't miss the queen, the beating to "Don't Stop Me Now." Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that is like the first time I saw that happen. That was that's how I knew that Edgar and I'd seen Spaced, but I didn't see Space until after. So Shaun of the Dead was my first Edgar Wright. Oh. So I thought Space because of Shaun of the Dead. So that's when "Don't Stop Me Now" happens, I was like, "Well, this is my guy. I'm in. <laughs> yeah. Whatever he's doing." You know, there's a, there's a pocket of the universe where there's an Edgar Wright version of, of Ant-Man starring Simon Pegg. And yeah, because that was he wrote. I mean, you know, he's got writing credit on that Ant-Man movie. And that was the plan. And can you just fathom? We could tell that that there's that train bit towards the end of it. Like that is 100 uh, percent. As soon as you see that, you got that has got Edgar Wright. It's covered in him. He just that yeah. is so good. But what, what's the guy who does the stories as well? You know the stories that where he gets Michael distracted Pena. and yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so I think that is that is very much Edgar Wright. I think he wrote that for Nick or for Nick Frost, right? Don't you think? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That would make I can sense. See that absolutely. Yeah, Michael Pena, I think, is the actor's name. And he's great. He's great. Yeah. There's no doubt. But yeah, well, I, I I Michael Pena like... are amazing in it. I agree. But yeah. I could very much easily see Simon Pegg and Nick Frost doing a, a, <laughs> a, a very much, obviously like a, it'd be like a more British job, obviously. Even though they try and be American like they were in Paul. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm yeah. not sure how that will work. <laughs> my my favorite bit is Shaun of the Dead, though. Again, it's just such a subtle thing, but when Simon Pegg, you know, he's been telling everyone he's been stepping up and they need to make it to the Winchester, and he gets up on the little kid's slide, you know, to have a look over the fence, and he gets down, and he's like, well, is it clear? It's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> just the delivery of that is just brilliant. Uh, but um, but yeah. my, anyway, my angriness to this film. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I think I, I just watched it. And also, 
Scott Pilgrim was huge in the comic verse around this time as well. So I, I've mentioned many times before, kind of around 2008 was the my kind of third renaissance with comics. You know, it, it kind of flitted in and out when I was a kid. And then it was 2008 was the recent time when I got back into comics in a big way. And everyone was just going on about Scott Pilgrim, but no one could really articulate it like you did, Tony, about what was good about it. You know, because all I would hear is, oh, it's just got loads of game culture and stuff. And like people get, you know, uh, beat up and then you get coins and things. I'm like, yeah, and? (laughs) (laughs) So what? What? I'm going to read a comic for that? It just seems so weak and flimsy for me. So I'd built up this kind of inner resentment of it. And I was just like, you know, I'm not interested in this at all. And because the movie was just a bit out there, I felt like I'd wasted my time. I just had no love of it at all. So I knew we had to cover it, and I knew how much you guys loved it. I thought, I know Chris hasn't watched it, so I know if me and Chris got on it, it would just be a very one-dimensional show about how crap it is. So so <laughs> I'm glad you guys could come on and sort of help me understand the charm of it. And I must admit, you know, even on this rewatch, showing my hand a bit, did enjoy it a bit more this time, uh, now that I've actually had a good night's sleep before watching it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, I, I would feel like Chris would almost be more likely to like it than you, almost solely on the, the gaming references. I know that's not everything about the film, and I know it's like the one, the first thing I say is you stop talking. But Dave, the gaming references. But, <laughs> yeah. you know, it, it's got, I, I'm, I, I don't, Dave, did you used to play a lot of video games or anything? Have you been as much, I know you're not as much of a gamer as Chris, I don't think, because I'm not sure anyone oh, is. But. When I was a kid, I used to love it. I, honestly, my my parents had taken me to, uh, it won't mean much to Tony, but like Blackpool and mm. Southport, places like that. Yeah. And I just go around the arcades and I was just lost. Now, I, I, these are old school arcade games, Mike. So, you know, going from the early 80s, you know, you got your proper, <laughs> not quite asteroids, but, you know, not, not much further on from that. So, um, yeah, I, I used to absolutely love them. And uh, I guess, yeah, I I just, this was a bit more Mario, wasn't Mm. it? A bit more Nintendo kind of influenced. And I I never really got into the Nintendo. I was more of a Sega guy myself. Mm. So maybe you would. But I think... I think Chris might get into it more if, like, you had to beat up a prostitute and then nick a car and then drive across the city <laughs> or something like that. You know, those those are more Chris's <laughs> games. I think. Yeah, I'd be interested to see. I'd, I'd be interested to you to get Chris just to. Uh, what'd be quite cool? Not trying to chat, plan your show, but like if we did Baby Driver and then. Oh. And like all of us, uh, including Chris, came on, but Chris had also watched Scott Pilgrim at some point, and just right at the end, we just hear Chris's thoughts on Scott Pilgrim. That was just the. I just it's an excuse. I just want to hear him yeah. talk about Scott Pilgrim. But not I do, do too. Whole I, I do show. too. And I, well, when I first, the first thing I did, and I don't know if you know this, Mike. Before I met them, I was a fan of their show, and mm. I I'm the reason they watched uh, Speed Racer, which yeah. people hate and Chris <laughs> hates with a, with abandon. And then I so I wrote them a letter explaining why I loved Speed Racer and why that movie meant so much to me and why um the show i loved it all but and then i even said well maybe one time down the line i'll have you watch another movie that you'll hate and i even put in parentheses scott pilgrim versus the world so for <laughs> over a year and a half I've, i mean even after just listening to them shit on on speed racer i'm like well they'll hate scott pilgrim like scott pilgrim is going to make chris lose him lose his mind if he hated speed racer 
I haven't seen Speed about Racer. Oh. I know it's made by the Wachowski brothers sisters. or sisters. Yeah. sisters yeah. Now. yeah, I forget. Um, yeah, I haven't seen well, that. It was brothers at the time they made it, wasn't it? Yeah. I think this was when they made the, the change. It was right after the third Matrix. So it oh. was, um, they just go by the Wachowskis in that one. Okay. And then, yeah, and then they became the Wachowski sisters after. So I think it was, I think one of them transitioned before the other. So mm-hmm. I think that's when, when they were just the Wachowskis for Speed Racer. I could be wrong about the time of that, but yeah. Anyway, Speed Racer, Mike, that's another story we'll talk about off, off air, but I have a <laughs> link I can share with you. Oh, yeah. It's free lovely. on the Internet Archive. Yeah. Awesome. Now, guys, let's get into our trailer. What's up? I'll leave you alone forever now. You know this one girl with hair like this? Yes, that's Ramona Flowers. She's out of your league. You know her? Tell me now. She just moved here, got a job at Amazon. I have to order something really cool. Scott, are you waiting for the package you just ordered? Maybe. Scott Pilgrim? Hi, I was thinking about asking you out, but then I realized how stupid that would be. That's okay. you should just sign for this, all right? So do you want to go out sometime? I say yes, we sign for your damn package. So, yeah, 8 o'clock? Come to this Battle of the Bands thing. You have a band? Yeah, we're terrible. One, two, three, one! Mr. Pilgrim! I'm Ramona's first evil ex-boyfriend. What? Wait, we're fighting over Ramona? Didn't you get my email explaining the situation? I skimmed it. Mm Mm-mm. What was that all about? If we're gonna date, you may have to defeat my seven evil exes. So what you're saying is we are dating? I guess. Does that mean we can make out? Sure. Scott Pilgrim! Prepare to feel the wrath of the League of Evil Exes. Ramona dated twins. At the same time. If you want something bad, you have to fight for it. Step up your game, Scott. Combo! Break out the L word. Lesbian? The other L word. Lesbians? What are you doing? Getting a life. You want to fight me for her? Why on earth would you want to do that? Because I'm in love with her. Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Maybe next time we don't date the girl with 11 evil ex-boyfriends. Okay. Oh, that's not that bad. Actually, just before I get into the plot, I think I know another reason why I hated it so much. So again, with my (laughs) sleep-deprived, angry state, obviously in my previous life before kids, I was a bass player as well. So this layabout with all this free time (laughs) is fucking living the life that I knew I used to have. And I'm like, you bastard, wait till you grow up. But anyway, enough of that. So we're in Toronto. We meet a 22-year-old Scott Pilgrim, and he's the bass player for an unsuccessful garage band, Sex Bomb. He's dating Knives, a 17-year-old high school student, and his friends from the band do not approve of that. Uh, Scott meets the American Amazon.com delivery girl, Ramona Flowers, and sees her as the girl of his dreams. Now, I'm going to come to you, Mike. Hmm. 
What do you make to the opening of this and how it sets up the Scott Pilgrim universe? Well, let's be honest here. Uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead is incredible. And I am actually slightly in love with her. So that does, that did help when I watched this film because when he fell in love with her, so did I. And I became absolutely obsessed with a band she's in called Gotta Girl, which everyone should go check it out. Uh, if you just go on YouTube typing Gotta Girl, um, Did We Live Too Fast? It's an amazing song. And there's one album out called I Love You, But I Must Drive Off This Cliff Now. Brilliant. And um, <laughs> it's, it's just cracking up. I, I want to tell any people if I can get anything in the conversation about Mary Elizabeth Winstead is that I love her. She's great in everything. And there's that. So, <laughs> besides that i the thing is i'm one of those people that within probably about five minutes of a film i can tell if i'm going to absolutely love it i've never had the instinct of i'm gonna love this film and it not been at least very good i had it at the start of fight club i had it at the start of wanted and wolf of wall street i do quite like those ones are narration stuff but like obviously cinematography in those films and the way things are done is quite uh you could it's very much like mad max for your road that's another one where the editing isn't the same between all those films but the editing and cinematography is so different immediately i just fell in love and i was like okay so i saw the trailer so i had a vague idea what it was about but i've never read i still haven't read the the comics and when it was i was like oh this is all surreal and crazy and everything's going really fast paced but i loved how when it makes a joke it doesn't linger and that I really, really like that from someone who actually really doesn't like it when you've got laugh tracks on sitcoms and things. <laughs> I know you don't have that in movies, but like a lot of sitcoms I loved, like I think Blackadder's got it and um, uh, Red Dwarf and things. It's like mm-hmm. having it where it's so quick, you can almost miss the joke immediately because there's quite a few jokes in here. And I'm very much a kind of, I will laugh when the, the, the laughing voices are not laughing sort of thing. I kind of laugh at different things a lot of the time. So Megan's always like, what? And then she laughs at the next bit. Uh, so with this film, I could laugh at my own pace. And I just thought that how quick it was and how sudden quick and everything was just all at once. I, I love that type of cinematography. I love really fast, quick things. I don't like things just plodding along too much unless it's specifically like a people film. That's a long answer. Yeah. <laughs> Not a lot said. <laughs> no, Tony, what about yourself? Well, I what I love is the sound. This is one of my all-time favorite movie soundtracks. Um, Mm-hmm. I love everything about the soundtrack. I own the soundtrack. I listen to it more often than I probably should. Everything about it is great. Um, and so the fact that it starts with a Sex Bob-omb song, like the opening credits are a Sex Bob-omb song, um, mm-hmm. and, and that, and, and you know, because it blows Knives' doors off literally, and then it's like, you guys are awesome. And, you know, that's that shot where they're far away from her, you know, and like mm-hmm. out just suddenly in another zip code. It was just, it, it was entrancing. I found everything about, and I'm with Mike. I think the way that Edgar writes makes a movie um, is amazing. You know, like there's so many, there's so many of those quick cuts. Like I can't imagine what a shooting script of his looks like when you think about all the quick cuts in every one of his movies. But in this one too, it's uh, just the way that it moves around. So um, I loved it right from the jump. I, I found um, the fact that his friends, you immediately identify with them because you're also we are all grossed out by Scott dating a 17 year old you know he's an adult man and she's a 17 year old and in Canada they actually go to school until they're 19 so it's not like she's even graduating soon um mm. so that makes it even worse and um he's he's just trash and so it's it's really hard to like him but I think because the movie is so compelling and visually pleasing that um if I if you hadn't read the and I had read the comics first so I already knew kind of Scott's journey, but um, 
I think even if you learn to hate him right from the beginning, uh, you're just pulled in and it's so trippy. And, you know, when Ramona goes through his brain, literally the girl of his dreams, I mean, that's obviously right on the nose, but like Mike said, the joke is there. You can laugh at it or not, but it's right there for you to laugh at. So, um, yeah, I was all in right from the beginning too. I have to say, you know, watching it this time, the visuals did really stand out to me. That bit that you just mentioned, Tony, where uh, the band starts playing, you see Knives' face and she's just absolutely blown away by it. And you get that pull away, don't you? Just, you know, the band gets further and further away. It looked amazing. I agree. The music is fantastic. The thing that I, I just can't, wrap my head around is just what a douchebag scott is <laughs> he's he's supposed to be our main protagonist and and what i have to say is you know it's pretty gross like you say that he's dated knives but he's not particularly sleazy about it is he i mm. mean i mentioned more rats last week you know we talking about uh ben affleck's character you know he's a proper sleazeball um Whereas Scott's just such a fucking drip, isn't he? I mean, <laughs> he hasn't even, like, he hasn't kissed knives or anything. I think no. he says when when questioned about it, he said, like, we held hands once or something like Almost that. Almost held hands. They didn't but, even. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, it's like, what is his actual game? I, I, I can't quite tell. So I can't hate him for being a sleazebag. Just so wet and drippy and, like, just... <laughs> Fucking annoying. <laughs> One of the funny things is when I was getting into like Michael Sears stuff, obviously I was this age, and Tony in England, uh, the age of con- the age for sex basically is sixteen, not eighteen. So mm-hmm. obviously, when I was watching this when I was about sixteen, and in England it's like oh, a twenty-two year old and a seventeen-year-old, like. I I would when I was 22 I didn't want to date 17 year olds because the maturity level there is this weird a lot wider than you think it is and all that kind of other lots of other reasons but over here obviously it's not illegal it's just it's kind of kind of gross like it, it, it's one of those things so with him I remember seeing it when I was 16 and because I wasn't at that age I didn't think I was a sleazeball in that regard I was more with Dave's side which is just Michael Cera is kind of Michael Cera ish in a lot of things and that's what he's good at which is just kind of plodding along but he's like kind of a dick but he's not aggressive or assertive enough to really change anything so he kind of just plods along pleasantly sort of being dickish to everyone all the time that's just uh, no i agree i think i think scott pilgrim hates himself and he knows he's a loser he's like and so i think the reason he's with knives and this is borne out because as soon as he meets ramona who is an adult woman and in the comics, you know, it's pretty obvious, but in the movie too, I mean, they went out of their way to make sure that they cast, I mean, clearly that woman who's playing Knives is not a 17 year old. I mean, you mm-hmm. look at, she's obviously probably, you know, nobody's their age in movies, right? Mm-hmm. Um, she, she's so, at Beverly Hills 902 when I was 17. Right. That's exactly <laughs> right. So she's probably 23 playing 17. But she, but because just of the look of Mary Elizabeth Winstead and, and in the, in the movie, there's the whole thing about Knives saying she's fat. And she just is a regular sized woman. That's all. Yeah. She's just a woman. And so it's mm-hmm. such a stark contrast between the two. And as soon as Scott realizes that's what a woman looks like, he loses all interest in knives because he really never had any interest in knives. What he's interested in is being 17. And, you know, he walk, wanders around with her and listens to her talk about the bullshit drama at school. So, yeah, he is totally, I think, I think, a, like you said, a drip and he just is kind of, um, 
he's almost like on an escalator, right? He, he, he puts forth no effort. Everything just kind of moves along and whatever, you know, Wallace Wells says to do, that's what he does. Whatever sister Stacy says to do, he does. He has no interest um, in making a decision until he meets Ramona, until he like, you know, like sees a woman and realizes like, oh, I literally have to man up here. Um, so I think that's, I think that's why, you know, you hate him because he, he doesn't want to do anything. And as all three of us are people who've like gone and done things for ourselves, you know, we've Ooh. all like adulted. <laughs> and so to see somebody <laughs> desperately trying not to, he's, he's just, you just want to punch him. And the, the line end, is, though. if your life was a face, I would punch it. <laughs> well, yeah, that that is amazing. I will say right at the very end of the film where he pulls the sword out and it says he's won the power of self-respect. I think that's yeah. so telling for how much he just does, as you say, Tony. Like, I will say again, Tony, your chat with you, Dipper Jake, you did such a good breakdown of the characters in Thanks. that. And mm. you gave, like I've seen Scott Pilgrim, you know, probably eight to ten times in my life and there's some perspectives you gave i'd never even really thought of so i, I with some of the character stuff is like a lot of things i'm thinking of now are just stuff that you said before about them. Oh, that's awesome <laughs> <laughs> thanks no I, I guess for me I, I i didn't fall completely in love with it some of the jokes i thought were a bit a bit childish uh, so, so when he kind of when he orders the package from amazon and he's just kind of sat in front of the door and he's like, are you waiting for, you know, he's waiting for Ramona to come and deliver the package that he literally just ordered. Uh, for me, it, it that jokes like that just didn't really land. But I mean, what, what about his band? So, um, uh, Tony, I think you referred to him as the talent. The, Steven the Stills. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So he was an interesting character for me. I mean, is this how he is in the comics? Because he was—he seemed very nervous and unsure of himself for me. He—he is—he is very driven. He wants to be in a band, and he knows he is surrounded by. Well, Scott Pilgrim is in his band, and that is a problem. <laughs> he also knows that, um, like, young Neil lives with him, so he's—you know—he's a cook at a restaurant that's what he does like you don't ever mm -hmm. know what like in the movie they don't seem to have jobs except for ramona and stacy so um you know they're just they just exist and so uh he he's not nervous he's i think it's like um anxious he's like anxious about doing something he wants to be something and so yes his whole thing is like oh my god we're gonna suck because he puts his whole life in it and i think anybody who's an artist or who creates something you want other people to like it and when you compare yourself to other people, then you get stressed out, especially when he sees like the other bands and he's like, holy shit, we're going to suck. We're going to suck. He just doesn't want to be embarrassed. That's all. And then he looks at who his band is. Kim Pine, who doesn't give a shit about anything, and Scott Pilgrim, who doesn't even know what room he's in half the time. So I think that's where Stephen Stills' um, stress comes. That's my theory on that. But when they, when they play... I mean, again, with the visuals and everything, they kick ass, don't they? They're so good. Yeah. I love Sex Babam. They're great. I, again, I, I think, I, I don't know, because again, Scott Pilgrim is such a drip in everyday <laughs> life. But when he starts playing the bass, Michael Cera does really, he jumps into that character, doesn't he, on stage? I, I think he looks pretty damn good. 
Well, I we, think, and Mike, didn't you say this? To, I, I thought you told me. He's in a band, right? Yeah, he is. Yeah, his stuff, his stuff music know. is on Spotify and SoundCloud and stuff. It's not that amazing, I will say. But well, Jason that- Schwartzman, I found out the other day, the guy who plays Gideon in this, he's got his own uh, stuff on Spotify as well. And it's actually quite good. Nice. Well, Beth uh, wrote all the music for Sex Babam. So I think that helps is that when you have somebody who's kind of like a musical genius, like Beck giving you something to do. Yeah. And I've heard that Michael Sarah is such a good bass player that he had to down, play it down. Mm. He had to look bad um, for this film. Like he had mm-hmm. to like un- unlearn some of his own skills. So I think that's what you're seeing, Dave, as a bass player, that you're noticing he's good. Yeah, yeah. It's probably like when we go on the VHS strikes back and we look at some old Kung Fu movies and then we have someone who's really good at Kung Fu and they're trying to play like they're crap. Yeah. You can just tell that they're not crap. They are good. They're just trying to play it within themselves. It's probably a little bit of that. But, um, I mean, it seems to meander along a bit for me until you get um, uh, Patel, so Matthew Patel. Mm. He turns up and he's the first of Ramona's evil ex-boyfriends. Exes. Evil exes. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> was that planned? Did you, were you guys talking about that before I came on? Was that? <laughs> <laughs> and you know, he didn't get oh he got the email, he just couldn't be asked to read it, which again is a this kind of is indicator so of him. Boring. he's like really epic music and it's like zooming in and stuff about like it's gonna be fighting and then boring that's the beauty of it it's so many fake outs i love it yeah so i did uh i I did quite like that bit to be honest so i mean what what do you reckon how this unfolded and and i guess tony how how does this play compared to the comics well this is the plot right, is the Manic Pixie Dream Girl plot, and which is what she is, right? And it's a commentary on that, of course. Um, does Ramona have agency or not have agency? That's her journey, and the movie doesn't do as good of a job because it can't. Uh, plus, they didn't know how the ending was going to go because the movie was written before the last two parts were out. Um, but this is the story. This is it. After the, the setup, um, we get to meet Ramona. He decides he's going to be in love with Ramona, and then the, he just has to fight them all. And it is just like this um some of the scenes are literally taken like when he when roxy comes over and he punches her in the boob that is that is exactly out of the comic like it's exactly right um obviously because there's actual music and sound edgar wright like adds the uh, bollywood dance number that isn't in the comic but um it's pretty close this is once the x once the battle of the x's begins that's all that it is I must admit, I watched this with the kids, and they thought that Bollywood bit was the most was the funniest thing that's in all week. <laughs> <laughs> so, again, you know, it is really good, but it does take a, a sharp left turn, doesn't it? The movie, I feel, at this point, it, it goes from, you know, the these kind of weird. You, you've got these weird visuals or interesting visuals up until this point, but then when Patel first shows up. It's like, oh, this is a slightly different movie. Or, or at least it felt like that to me. Yeah. When I rewatched it uh, the, the other day, I felt, I was watching it and I, I kind of half forgot 
because I enjoy I enjoy it so much. I was like, I kind of half forgot there was even fighting in it because I loved the first part before <laughs> you even fight so much. I was like, I could just watch hours of this kind of editing with some fairly yeah. uninteresting people, but you have the right editing. I could just watch hours and hours of Scott Pilgrim living his normal life with everyone else, just talking <laughs> to people on the phone really quickly and just little click marks coming out of everything you touch, just like enhanced life, like, a, like there's a... Of the goggles and things i've forgotten the word augmented reality it's always mm-hmm. like, that. Yep. It's like if everything has that all the time and then the fight comes in and it is like i would say it's like things turned up to 100 but the film's already going about 80 miles per hour so it's yeah. like 80 to like a thousand and it's just, <laughs> you go oh yeah because like you say dave it's like oh these visuals are quite cool and the music's really really good and quite punchy and all this other stuff and you're like yeah this is all good this is kind of plodding along in its own way and then the fight happens and you're like oh, this other stuff is for the fighting. It's like, that's kind of in part like why it's in it. It works really well in that video game referencing and stuff, but it's like the gear change is so smooth, I find, in every one of the fights. It just, with the Lucas Lee one, the douchebag of the skateboarder as well, it flicks back because of forwards very quickly. And I find that this is the first time that it does a proper, okay, now it's suddenly action and everything really feels that way. Yeah. I I agree. And and I think you're right, Mike. I, I I think I might enjoy this movie more if it's all kind of like that first act. Mm. I, I could watch a Netflix series like that. Yeah. I, I still think Scott Pilgrim was an absolute douchebag and I <laughs> wonder why the hell I'm wasting my time watching this. But it's the characters around Scott. And and I think that was what I picked up from your podcast, Tony, was was that it's more about them. Oh yeah. Know, than it is about him and and as soon as i i think if i'd have watched this movie without listening to that show i think i'd have hated it as much as i did the first time uh but it did make me see it in a completely different way to be honest yeah kim i come at it from the perspective that kim pine is the hero of this story and um she is the only the thing about that i love about kim pine is she only ever says the exact truth there's whatever's on her mind comes out of her mouth, but nobody's listening to her, which is, which is absurd, right? It, she, and, and there's obviously another layer of, you know, the girl drummer and, and, you know, they even, then the other band uh, crash and the boys literally has a girl drummer, like a 10 year old girl, which is lifted right from the comics. And, and like the panic, that's the only time Kim ever has like a moment of self doubt is when there's another girl drummer, like, Hey, that's my thing. <laughs> Um, so I think, yeah, the idea is there's all these other people who have lives that that have evolved into humans with Scott Pilgrim just kind of there and he's forgotten to come along with them. So, yeah, if you if you realize like this is what it's like to be, you know, around people who are supposed to be adulting and are supposed to be moving on to the next thing. Um, and it's because it's called Scott Pilgrim because he's our title. And if it wasn't called that. I guess this is my question, Dave. If it weren't called Scott Pilgrim versus the world, but it was just called Sex Babom or it was called Life in Toronto, like Mike was saying, it's just a show about these people living in Toronto, would you dislike it as much because then it's not about Scott? It's just like about these people. I think the camera spends quite a lot of time with Scott, though, doesn't it? Sure, that's true. I think, yeah, yeah maybe if it was. Maybe if it was called Sex Bomb or, or something, um, you know, growing up in Toronto, uh, uh, something else, and it spent a bit more time with the rest of the band, um, yeah, yeah. I, I think I could get behind that. I actually think, you know, my mind's racing to whether this would suit a series better than an actual one-off movie. 
I think oh, it would absolutely. be amazing. I think it'd be incredible. I mean, the, one of the things I was thinking of with the uh, two parts to kind of what you guys were saying was one part was it's kind of like every new character you see, relatively, you get that little black box and it says their name and then a little fun fact or something about yeah. them. And so that's kind of showing that Scott doesn't get that, I'm pretty certain, in the film. Everyone else does. So it's almost like identifying, like everyone else is, is more interesting. Uh, and the other thing would be like, what if the film was called, you know, like Scott Pilgrim sucks? Just if that was the, <laughs> if that was called, maybe people would enjoy it more because it's like, you're not rooting for him. It's just, he does actually kind of suck. And everyone in the film is kind of saying, you do kind of suck, Scott. Like he kind of, like even the bit where it's showing Wallace's room and it's like everything cool in it own, is owned by Wallace. And then that little bit where it's like, Wallace's, oh no, it's that Scott's coat and then Wallace's coat and then in brackets, but Wallace is better. And Scott's yeah. <laughs> just everything like that is just I, I would love to see a series done by Edgar Wright because it's very much like spaced in that same sort of quick fast editing style doing so many kind of silly jokes and so many visual puns and just clever things that are mm-hmm. they're not laugh out loud funny but they're just humorous to watch and they become funny on the rewatches I find so I'd re- I'd love to see a series made by Edgar Wright for this even with the same people I don't care just like an extended edition or I'd be interested to see, because I feel like this would maybe be cheaper, if they did it like the comic is, like just animated the comic. Like I wonder if just had the people come in and do the voices. Yeah, yeah. Even if it's the same people or even anyone different. I don't think I'm not married to Michael Cera being the voice of, but surely now it's the ten year anniversary, I wonder if that's maybe even on the cards. Like I'm sure it'd be quite easy if you to make it more true to the comic. And probably be quite easy because there'd be so much source material. You'd almost just have to almost like scan the comic on onto something and they just fill in the in-between parts of the frames and that would be it with some sound yeah and i guess you you've also got the fact that the comic's finished now mm-hmm. right whereas as tony said that you know they they were writing the film kind of almost in parallel to the comic yeah yeah that's why the first like the first three books first three volumes maybe even the first four volumes are almost like spot on. There's literally some some scenes, like I mentioned the one with Roxy, and there's a few other scenes that are exact, like like Zack Snyder-ish lifted from the page and put on a screen. Mm. And then there's other stuff, like the all of the uh, body doubles with Lucas Lee, that didn't happen in the comics. Um, the Obviously, as they get to the fight with the twins at the end is totally different. Um, mm. In the comics which is great in the comics, the fight with the twins happens in the background. And that whole comic is about Kim and Ramona, but mm-hmm. Scott's in the background fighting the twins make robots that Scott has to fight. And they just kick the shit out of him. So like in the back panel, Scott's getting his ass beat up by the robots that the twins make. But I would say this is the one time in the film, the battle with the twins, with the, with the bands, when the bands fight and the giant gorilla versus the double headed dragon. That is amazing, and I love everything about that. And I could just go back and watch that fight scene over and over. It is, it is like eye candy. It is Edgar Wright at his most genius when the whole band is there and the wind is blowing. I love it. I love everything about that. So that is the one moment where I was like, I hear what you're saying that I guess for me, the film, the fact that um, everybody is horrible and losers and whatever and they disregard the only person in the room saying the truth and ramona is really just an object and nobody asks ramona what she wants which is really mm-hmm. off-putting um because it's so visually stunning like you i forgive it so many of its faults because i love to see it and i think that's the thing with speed racer that you guys hated you were hoping for a movie that made sense and for me that is like just <laughs> like to watch speed racer it, it, and this are so similar. The 
like you're talking about, Mike, the quick, the quick cuts and whatever. It's just, mm. it's visually stimulating in a way that my brain likes. And it's so for me, watching Scott Pilgrim over and over, I don't care what the story is. I mean, I do, and I think there's some cool growth, and I can talk about that. But just, it's amazing to see. And and mm. and I'm curious, Dave, because you watched it with your kids, and you've got what two teenage girls. What did they think? Were they like because this is ten years old, so they've seen way better visuals since then? So they were like, "That's kind of lame." Or was there anything that they thought looked cool? I think the visuals hold up pretty well, actually, because I don't think it's not like, um, say, the two thousand two Spider Man, where mm. you know they were just getting their arms around CGI, and even Blade Two. I remember looking at that, and you know, it was before they'd really nailed the mo- motion capture stuff, mm. and, and you can just tell everyone's kind of rubbery and very animated. So I, I think most of it held up pretty well, and, and I think they enjoyed it. I don't think they're in a rush to watch it again, um, but definitely enjoyed it. And I think I tell you what helps it now. If you're watching it for the first time in 2020, the cast is amazing. Isn't it's amazing. It? I mean, they did obviously they didn't recognize Brandon Roth, but um, obviously you know Brie Larson. You've got Chris Evans there as uh, Lucas Lee. So mm-hmm. you know this has got an amazing cast of at the time these upcoming actors i mean it was 2011 so it was the year after chris evans broke through as captain america i think he'd done fantastic four before that but you know he wasn't really a an a-lister at that time so yeah absolutely brilliant i want to say i actually forgot to mention that i watched it with my niece um who is 13 i think and it's like her favorite movie I mean, she's nice. She likes a lot. Of, she likes, you know, anime, and she likes a lot of alternative stuff as well. She's quite like a lot that I was when I was that age, actually. And she's my brother's my brother, who's super excited to get into this sort of stuff. Daughter as well, so you know, it's it's like that. But she absolutely adores this film, and I know that her, she's shown some of her friends, and they a lot of them have enjoyed it, but not been like over the moon about it i think it's it is that sort of like i've got a, uh, one of my best mates reese who's been on the podcast a few times on genuine chit chat he absolutely hates this film and he's a <laughs> massive gamer like he is a huge gamer he likes edgar wright he likes all that sort of stuff uh, i don't know sure how much space dc but he likes all of the dead and things but he says it's far too quirky none of it makes sense and it's too intense and he's my age so it it is one of those really weird things where i think it's it's cut it's it's so unique in so many weird little ways that getting like the stars to align on certain people like me and Tony is like, yes, this is one of the best things. It's one of my favorite movies ever. But for a lot of other people, they're like, yeah, this is good, but it's kind of missed the mark in some ways because there's such fine lines, if you, if you know what I mean. Yeah, it's, it's it's Marmite, as we say over here, isn't it? I love Marmite. <laughs> you, you, you absolutely love it or you hate it. You know, I they, don't know what it is. Yeast so extract. Yeah, it, it, you have to taste it, Tony. <laughs> it's one of those acquired tastes. I mean, you have the Australians, they have Vegemite, which is very similar. Hmm. Um, I think Bovril is yeah. quite similar-ish, but I think Bovril you meant to cook with stuff. So it's, it's, Yeah, and it, it's kind of beef. I'll tell you what, so Tony, be, I'll send you some. I'll, for Christmas, well, I'm a vegetarian, I'll, so just... Is it, yeah, no, yeah, so, it's so it's okay. veggie. Okay. It's vegan, even not not oh. just veggie. There's only like five ingredients in it. It's it's literally just when they make beer, it's or alcohol. I think it's mainly beer. Basically, the leftover yeast from that process in the big barrels and stuff is like tar almost. They basically just scrape it off and do something to it, and give it to you. 
that's how my wow. dad explained it to you me. You are selling it, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it is weird. <laughs> they can't sell any other way. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It's amazing, though. I've in peanut butter. It's great. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'll, I'll be keen. I'll be keen to try. Anyways, <laughs> so, well, speaking of stuff that's vegan. Yeah, right. Nice. Yes. So we get we get Todd as well, don't we? And he's a super powered vegan. And uh, (laughs) you know, oh oh, oh, Brandon Roth, he is such a specimen, isn't he? I I I forget sometimes, but going back to this point in 2010, he looks amazing, doesn't he? Yeah, and he and in the last the last thing we did when I was on here last day when when you and Max and I and Chris did the crisis, he got all jacked back up because he was playing Superman again because he's been yeah. playing Adam and he was in great shape to play the Adam, but but when he knew he was going to put the Superman suit back on, he jacked himself back up and he I mean yeah it's like to see him the visual of it too because he's the one I mean they all do a really good job of making them look like their comic book counterparts but like Todd is built like just a V and so to get Brandon Routh was like perfect casting he is great Todd and you know what I think the first time I watched this I didn't even click that it was Brandon Routh oh really I, I just yeah just because of that wig right <laughs> it, it just so I had to do a double take this time but um yeah, so he's there as Superman and the Atom. You've got Captain America. You've got the Huntress with Mary Elizabeth Winstead. You've got Captain yeah. Marvel. Um, it's unbelievable, the the superhero cast that sprung from this uh, nonsense that I love so much. <laughs> I mean, on paper, it's really bad. It really is. I understand, but I just think, I think like Mike said, if you just if it hits you in the right spot in your head, um, and there's people who don't like you know, the, the Cornetto trilogy and they can be wrong. Those people can just be wrong, but I understand <laughs> that Edgar Wright isn't for everybody. And I think unfortunately his finest film, like his finest visual feast of a, of a bit blockbuster baby driver has fu- fucking Kevin Spacey in it. So, you know, like we saw mm-hmm. it in the theater, my wife and I saw it in the theater and we're just like, you know, it was again, just a feast, but you know, it's like, I'm never going to watch that again, probably because, um, you know, my, one of my kids watched it, and she was like, oh, I finally got around to watching Baby Driver. Nick Cage was great in that. I was like, Nick Cage? She was like, yeah, you know, he played the, he played the main bad guy. I was like, oh, I see what you're doing. So she watched Baby Driver just every time Kevin Spacey was on screen, just said, man, Nick Cage is amazing. And that's how she got through it. I guess. <laughs> that's very good. Yeah. I mean, out of the different battles that Scott has to do with the exes, is there any in particular that stands out for you? The twins is my favorite because of the of the music. That is my absolute favorite. Um, even though it's because it's the whole band, and uh, I just think I just think visually it is it is stunning. That's my favorite. Ooh, that's a hard one. Um, it's probably not the Patel one might be my least favorite one. I'd say. I think it's. I do. Hmm. It's a hard one. I really should have thought about this. It's quite an obvious question that is going to come up in a review like this. I mean, I do, I do love the Gideon fight. I, I think. I mean, the vegan part is the funniest. I think the whole vegan police thing. Every single time I watch it, absolutely kills me. And it's just one of the I, because obviously it's from the comics. It's just one of the best written things I think I've ever heard uh, or seen. But I think the Gideon part is my favorite because I absolutely love it. It's one of the tropes I adore. Is when someone does something, they fail, and then they do it again, almost exactly the same, but succeed. But you do see it like it's like something changes, like someone goes back in time or something like that. And the Scott getting another life, and then just you know walking through and rather giving the really crap passwords, he just like punching people and like going yeah. through. 
shouting at everyone and stuff. It's just like that whole bit is just incredible. And from him entering Gideon's at the first time he goes in, all the way to the very end is just I've got a smile on my face the whole time. It, it I just love it. <laughs> the swords and everything. So it's got to be the end fight for me. Uh, that is good, and and like you say, you mentioned it before, but the power of self respect. Mm. You know, that's that's a good thing that I guess it tells you that you know for the previous what what you've been watching up until that point, he, he hasn't had a lot of self respect, and I, I just think, I mean, Michael series he's another one of those characters is another one of those actors for me that just kind of plays himself in yeah. everything you know i think one of my favorites is probably this is the end oh yes i love that film <laughs> oh my god his that's inter- the one with um they're all playing themselves right yeah yeah yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I watched that and i'm gonna i'll be the heel on that one i thought it fell apart I, I, it had a really good idea i think franco bugs me i think that's he is one of those actors that just grates on me. I think that was that was part of my problem. I love the end, though. I love the end when the Brackstreet Boys are in heaven. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to heaven, motherfuckers. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> they set that up the whole movie. That was such a great payoff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's 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 among my favorite Rogan sort of you know those films I used to love as a teenager. Because when all these like Seth Rogan uh, films come out. It was me in like college time, just getting to the age of drinking and other stuff, getting into <laughs> Seth Rogen. It was like super bad, four-year-old virgin, this is the end. Like there was, I got into all the ones that had previously been out and then this is the end came out at the perfect time as well. So I love all those films as well. I don't hate that many films, really, apart from Hulk <laughs> that Tony defended them. I'm offended. Love, again, <laughs> I fall on my sword for that forever. I'm offended yeah, that, by the fact that you defended that. That absolutely that absolutely split opinion. That one, I, yeah. I, think I actually thought I was going to get. Close. Yeah, I thought I was going to get the floor wiped with me. I really do think it's pretty good. <laughs> I do. <laughs> it's not even. Yeah, I know. Oh, lots of people agreeing with you, but I'll just say I think uh, which actor did you say you you really didn't like, Tony? Oh, Dave Franco. Okay. Oh, or not right. Dave Franco? Not Dave Franco. James. James. Dave Franco. Yeah, Dave Franco's the younger one. He's fine. James Franco, he grates on me. Yeah, I can't. He's a sleaze in real life, too, so it's hard for me to get away from that. But like you said, Michael Sarah always playing Michael Sarah. I always feel like Franco's always playing Franco, and I don't like yeah. that. Not a big fan. My <laughs> so. favorite bit in that, I think, is where Emma Watson runs off with all the stuff, and they do the <laughs> video diaries, and he's like... Well, Hermione just stole all our shit. Yeah. <laughs> it does have some incredible lines. It's just it's one of those films I feel like where they basically just had about probably twenty minutes of absolute gold ideas and like we need to f- somehow figure a plot out around these one off oh, liners no. or things. It was it was the short that Jay Baruchel, the guy who started it, it was like I think it was called Jay and Seth Survive the Apocalypse or something. It was literally oh, right. just oh. short that they did. And so that's why they're the stars because it was their idea. So you're absolutely right, Mike. That's what it was. They had 20 minutes for like, how do we make this into something longer? <laughs> it's probably got one of the best montages as well. So you get all the montage music and then they're all just crappily trying to fort- <laughs> fortify the the, uh, the house and they're just rubbish. They can't do anything. Duct tape on like, this giant <laughs> yeah. crack concrete wall with this, like, one strip of duct Moving tape on it. Giant ceramic penis up, up, up against the door and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, anyway, Scott Pilgrim. So, um, yeah, so we, we get to the end fight there. 
Scott gets his self-respect. I actually think uh, Knives goes through the most kind of growth, though. Um, yeah. You know, because she's the one who, you know, she's infatuated with Scott and his band, these kind of this cool uh, college well 22 year old college type guy and I, I just think she's the one who eventually kind of accepts okay this this is over and, and kind of moves on from it so i mean wrapping up the is there anything at the end there that caught your eye well in the original edgar wright script um he actually had because they fight together and they do their their remember at the beginning mm-hmm. they're doing their they end up together in edgar wright's vision but then brian was like nope we can't do that so um <laughs> Because that's not how it's going to go. So, but there is apparently, and I've never seen it, but there is an alternate ending where I watched it at the end where Ramona and Knives is like, Ramona's like, well, I guess you and Knives are going to be together and Ramona goes off by herself. Yeah, I, I watched that. Uh, I've seen it before because when I got it on DVD and was obsessed, I watched mm-hmm. all the extended scenes, everything. And it is, it's funny, the ending itself is with Knives. The Knives part ending is almost like, it's almost like in real life, I would rather he gets with knives almost i know it sounds creepy to you tony but almost like i feel like she understood him more and maybe it would be better for him but in the film world if that had ended like that i'd be pissed off because i'm because like megan i showed megan the alternate ending and she was like if that was the true ending i'd be annoyed because why the hell did i watch this whole goddamn movie then if he's just right. gonna <laughs> like, he's like what's the point in that like so the alternate ending is worth a watch i'd say if you get it on dvd yeah i'll, think, I'll think it a watch. yeah <laughs> so i think the thing that i think about the final fight in the ending um, like Nega Scott is a bigger part in the comic, obviously, and they just squeeze him in at the in the movie. But the idea of um, of Ramona being like victimed again, I didn't care for. Like especially, and I think this is the only time when it was like uh, problematic is when she's like sitting at Gideon's knee, mm-hmm. you know, literally with the chip in her neck. So. Yeah. And that was like a, a cheap way out of like, here's why Ramona is acting this way. When really like Ramona is tired of everybody, like everybody falling in love with her because she's a manic pixie dream girl. And then they have to fight over her. And like the, when she and Roxy have those, those like the talk about like, listen, man, it just wasn't going to work out. You can love me and that's okay, but I don't have to like you back. And mm-hmm. so I feel like that was, while I love the visual of the fight scene and everything Mike said is true, I always feel like Ramona gets, um, the short end of the stick at the end. And that is the, that is, that's the only problem I actually have. And I'm okay with the ending. And I'm, I agree with Megan um, that that would have pissed me off. Like, wait a minute. <laughs> no, no. And you're right. Knives is actually like a really good person and she deserves better than, and Wallace says that from the beginning, go away. You deserve better than him. So like from the beginning, we know that they shouldn't end up together. So that, I get what you're saying, Mike. Like Edgar probably liked knives. And was like, knives is a good person and he wants Scott to be happy. But Scott, you know, I, I don't think, and we talked about this on my show too, but I don't think Scott and, and Ramona stay together. This isn't a happy, I mean, it's a happy-ish ending, but like the 10-year reunion is, you know, I think Jake said Scott's in jail is where he thinks he is, but I definitely think they break <laughs> up within six months of this. And that's okay too. Um, anyway, so that's my ramble at the end. Sorry. Uh, I, I did like Negascott. I, I, yeah. I, the way it set that up and then they just both come out because they're just so fucking laid back the whole kind of thing you know I did like completely forgotten about that sorry Mike go ahead and and yourself yeah I mean I the the actual normal ending I mean I think it's great as I said as you said Dave that negoscope is amazing and it cracked me up the second time I watched it again as well and I find that what I kind of feel like happens at the end is that when Ramona and Scott kind of go in that door they almost go off in their own 
little journey, like them against the world almost. But like, I feel like I feel like it could almost be a nice coming of age movie just called, you know, Scott and Ramona or something. And it's them just finding themselves over like a year or two. And it's filmed in the same way as the, the Scott Pilgrim is, just there's no massive fight scene or anything. And it's just them discovering themselves and kind of getting to the end of it and realizing they don't actually need to be with each other, but they can stay friends. And I'd like that I'd like Scott and Knives to stay good friends as well. I would just kind of want Scott to grow out of having to be with either of them and but being, you know, having really, really close friends that he knows very well into his life. I think that would just be like a nice that's my head cannon. That's, that's <laughs> I love the I ending, love but that's how it continues. I love sure. that. I like that. I think that's a great. I think that's the ending, right? I think that's right. And um, you, you know, and it, it, the book. It, it's funny that, and I don't know how much this played in, but they do end up just going through the door and flying off. That's how the book ends too. Hmm. Um, but that the movie came out first, so I don't know how much Brian saw that and was like, "That's awesome visuals. So let's just put that in there." Um, <laughs> but yeah, but we don't know. We absolutely don't know what happens next, and I think I think that's important too because again, they they don't really know anything or each mm-hmm. other. The, the movie only is a few weeks, which is also part of the thing, and the book takes place mm-hmm. over the course of a year. So yeah, yeah. So that helps. Yeah, Dave. Sorry, I, I was. I was going to go into the final bit there, but I think you were going to say something there, Mike. No, I was, I was going to actually say, Dave, <laughs> what did you think? Yeah. <laughs> then I stopped because I heard a noise. So I was like, oh, yeah. he's about to say it. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I agree. I, th- I think the end, I, I think the Negascot bit kind of won it back for me a little bit there. I'd kind of forgotten that Scott and Ramona actually go off. Um, and I I was a bit confused by that. I, I didn't think it'd end that way at all. Um, I thought after he'd got his self-respect, I thought that he just would kind of, you know, they, they'd part and go their different ways. But I guess, you know, it's Hollywood. So, so you know, they go off together. I, I think I'd have been okay if, if he'd have just gone off by himself, to be honest. Like I say, he's he's not someone I was rooting for at mm. any point <laughs> of the movie. Even, even when the fight's on, I'm like, yeah, I don't really mind if you... Oh, you're back to life? All right, okay. <laughs> I feel like Dave, basically of what you said, it might be a good a good ending of him kind of like knives and uh, Ramona kind of standing, looking at him as he comes out, and they and Nick Scott walks off, and he says something like, "You're both too good for me, and I need some time to figure myself out." But can yeah. we be friends? And then they all and they kind of all smile at each other, and all three of them kind of walk off in the distance. Like that would be a, an adequate. I'd, I'd be equally happy with that ending too. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, guys, should we go into our final review? Yeah, absolutely. Hi, I'm Mike from the Genuine Chit Chat Podcast, where we have honest conversations with interesting people. I speak to a wide variety of guests, including CEOs of businesses, psychologists, authors, musicians, travellers, people suffering with physical and mental illnesses, and everyone in between. Where we speak about a large variety of topics, including music and movies and pop culture, but also some more controversial topics, including drug reform, political correctness, and many more. No subject is off limits. You can find us in all the usual podcast places, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts, as well as on YouTube. And you can follow us in all the usual social media places. And to be clear, I don't expect everyone listening to enjoy every episode of my show. What I do think is that due to the wide variety of guests and topics, that there'll be at least one episode that each person listening will enjoy. So if you still appreciate the art of conversation and want to hear honest conversations with interesting people, then be sure to check out Genuine Chit Chat in all the usual places. Thank you.
Hello listeners, this is Tony Farina from DC Comics News and an occasional guest on Comics in Motion. I'm pleased to announce a new show called Indie Comics Spotlight. Each week, my guests and I will be taking a deep dive into a current title or a classic graphic novel from a publisher other than the big two. Consider this show the best of the rest. My hope is that we'll bring new readers to independent comics and give old readers a chance to share their thoughts. Join me each week in the Comics in Motion feed in your favorite podcast catcher. Okay, so Tony, I'm going to come to you first. What are your final thoughts and rating of this one? Yeah, well, I I love it. And it is not a perfect film, but it's a perfect film for me. And I think that's what this is about for me. Like I can, I, I have a tough time. There are problems with it. Like, again, I don't like the way Ramona is, but it, because the book gives her, and again, I'm not trying to be that person, but um, the book just is longer. So all of them, like you mentioned, all we spend more time with the characters in the book so we get a chance to know them a little bit more. And I feel like as a film, just a standalone, the way Ramona is treated as an object is problematic, but it's also a commentary on that. So I, I forgive it, but I just think it's visually stunning. Um, it is. It, there are a few moments where you mentioned earlier, Dave, where it just kind of drags along for a little bit. Um, but that's okay, because it is all a setup for just, again, the feast and the soundtrack. This is, you know, top three movie, movie soundtracks of all time for me. I absolutely love it. So it goes to Asgard for me. It is not a perfect film, but it is right at the top because... Um, I've never watched it and then hated it. I've always, I've, if I go back to it, I'm going to have a great time with it. Um, I understand it's not for everybody, but like I said, I just think it's a perfect movie for me. Awesome. And how about yourself, Mike? Um, Asgard is the highest of your comics emotion ratings, isn't it? It is, yeah. yeah I, I'm the same, uh, in honesty. But I'd say it is perfect for me, but it's, it's one of those films where it's rare for me to watch a film that isn't Star Wars, and I get this feeling of just joy and like i had it throughout the entire when i first watched avengers like the avengers assemble when i've mm-hmm. that scene where it's got this where it's just a panning shot and you just see them all doing crazy things and the camera doesn't cut like moments like that or a lot of one shots and things there's a few films that really the first time you watch it you get that oh my god moment and a lot of avengers like infinity war and endgame did it as well and then there's even fewer films that do it every time you watch it it's just a whimsical fun thing and i just think the film itself tony has been apologizing in some ways for it like i know it's not perfect in this way i disagree and i actually think it's absolutely incredible and not the, the ramona <laughs> bit i the ramona bit i, I can understand but i forgive because i think it, it does work without being too pushy on one side but i'm not getting into political discussion on that regard that's not a hill i'm gonna die on but the the scott program thing i just think the there's so few for me flaws in it because of I feel like the movie achieved exactly what it wanted. And I feel like not to be a dick about it, but if you don't like it, then it, the film isn't for you. Like, and I don't say that about many films. I wouldn't even say that about star Wars in all honesty, but like, I just feel like everything it tries to do, it does masterfully. And people who don't like it, that's because something about it didn't necessarily click with them, not because it's necessarily a flawed film. And it is in my top five films ever. So I'm a bit biased. <laughs> Should have said that at the start, that everyone would just disregard everything I've said. Let's lead it to the end. <laughs> it's good how you both passionately disagree and both send it to the top. Just, yeah. just different parts of Asgard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just right. They're not going to share. The, right. That's fair. So I think I am going to be that guy. So I. I I mentioned about the story of when I watched this the first time, and I, I really didn't like it. I, 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 you know, 
more passionately than I, I generally dislike most movies, to be honest. So I'd never watched it again from watching it that first time, 2011, up until now when we were watching it. Never wanted to. What I have to say is revisiting this time without that sleep-deprived state, it, I did enjoy it a bit more. So, And, and I kind of, my mind was calibrated. It was ready to see what I was going to see. You know, I think the first time I just didn't really have a clue what to expect. And so I, I just missed a lot of the things that were flashing past my eyes. <laughs> the visuals are fantastic. I think I like the first act and the last scene almost a bit mm. more so if I, if i could have honestly the fights with the evil exes i think i could have just stripped away all of that from the movie and i would have enjoyed it as that kind of coming of age kind of light-hearted drama kind of thing mm. and exploring all the other different all the other characters a bit more and you know that interaction i, I think i could have got behind that movie but just it didn't click with me at all, even though it looked great. And I mentioned before, you've got the cast, um, you know, to die for. Imagine pulling together that same cast now. I mean, if it wasn't a big uh, high budget Marvel or Warner Brothers pick, you, you wouldn't get that same cast together now, would you? Mm. Unless it costs you a lot. <laughs> so with that said, the needle did move from, I really don't like this movie, to... Yeah, okay. I, I kind of like it. It's not my favorite Edgar Wright thing. I, I mentioned Shaun of the Dead. I, I think it would be hard pushed uh, to get anything from that. But um, no, I, I'm going to put this in the middle of the road. I'm, I'm going to put this into a hall of justice. I, I, I know like on IMDb, it's 7.5. I know it's got this huge cult following. I, I just I can't love it. I can appreciate <laughs> it for what it is. But I, I, it just doesn't resonate with me, and I think, I think a bias that I possibly carry is, as I said, if if I could get behind this kind of coming of age movie with this ensemble cast, I can get behind a story like that. But I can't get behind a story which I don't like the lead character, the main protagonist, and so in the third act, well, all all the way through in all the battles, I think I'm supposed to be rooting for him. But I don't actually mind if he just gets his ass kicked. I think that's, I think that's possibly why I like this is the end so much. <laughs> but I will say, Dave. To be fair, when I watch Scott Pilgrim, I'm actually uh, kind of rooting for Ramona because in my mind, when I first watched it, I was like, if Scott beats all these guys, she won't be plagued by them anymore. So really, you're a terrible person. That's actually that's why you don't like the film. You just don't support women in these films. <laughs> I'm almost joking for this. Who don't so, know. <laughs> I guess I'm with Tony though. There, I mean, Ramona's kind of that cool American chick, isn't she? She's a bit cool, mm. and um, I, she doesn't really. She's not a fleshed-out character so much. So I kind of hear what you're saying, but I think I think we are supposed to be rooting for Scott. Yeah. And I just can't bring myself to. That's so fair. I think that, that is why it doesn't click with me. Um, but yeah, no, it was, it was brilliant to talk to you. I, I couldn't wait to get on and, and get your perspective. Like you say, you've got Tony obviously coming from the angle of having read the comics. You've got yourself, Mike, as well. Haven't read the comics, but still love the movie. So and I was just the age as well. 
I was kind of that sort of age for it as well is that that coming of age element of it really resonated with me both in like video games and the music I was into and the people I'd hang out with and all the kind of you know, the house parties just everything about it was basically my life when I loved that film in a sense except I wasn't in a band but I had several friends and my brother was in a band so like for me personally although I did joke about it being perfect I, I it is for me it's it's a film <laughs> for my you know that sort of thing and I think I, I can never get away from the fact that when I first watched it, you know, I've I've got my kids, I've got my sleep deprived state, and I'm mourning <laughs> the loss of youth. <laughs> yeah. Whereas I'm living it. <laughs> I'm watching that go, that's me. You're living the dream. Yeah. And I'm like crying <laughs> in grief for the loss of mine. So uh yeah, I, I I'm probably plagued by that bias as well, to be honest. <laughs> Fair play. <laughs> now, Tony, where can everyone get you on the interwebs? Sure. You can. Um, well, I, I have a show on this very network, Indie Comic Spotlight, about which we have talked. You can follow me on Twitter at Tricycle Boombox. Um, and you, or you can go to my website, which is just my initials, arfarina.com. And you can send me a message there if you are not on the Twitters but want to like say, tell me how much you love Scott Pilgrim. You can send me a message there. Awesome. And yourself, Mike? I'm sorry, I've just bewildered. Tony, is your, is your real name Anthony? Yeah, yeah. Oh my God, that explains why it's AR Farina. I could never figure yeah. it out. That makes so <laughs> much sense. I just thought you gave us all a fake name or something. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Cool. Sorry. Anyway, sorry. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Taken aback by that. Tony is. I don't think anyone's christened Tony, are they? I'm sure there is somebody. Maybe. Who yeah. knows? I just maybe maybe these days, but I, I always thought it was it was short for Anthony. It makes yeah, sense. It I feel like I'm just a pleb. I'm not I, <laughs> certain parts of me just don't work properly. It just I click sometimes to things and people are like, well, yeah, duh. I was like, okay. Anyway, people can find me if they want to after this mess. Um, people can find me. I'm also on this very fine feed of comics in motion. Uh, on Saturdays, my show Star Wars Comics in Canon is released. I talk about Star Wars comics and that sort of jazzing it to characters and whatnot. And my other show is genuine chits chat which it's quite similar to almost what we're doing now i just have people on i've had tony on i've had dave on and other people's of comics and motion and more to come chatting about all kinds of different things i've had loads of different guests on so if you fancy something that's just conversational podcast with different people on each episode genuine chit chat and my social media is at genuine chits chat so thanks again for having me on dave appreciate it no, it's been absolutely brilliant, guys. Like I say, a lot of fun, and I love the dynamic, you know, because we're all coming at it from a, a slightly different angle. So, guys, thank you very much again. I'm going to play you out to a trailer of The Boys. The Boys uh, is coming out. The finale will be coming out later this week, and so we'll be covering that one next week. So I'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bertram, what happened? My wife, she's alive. Vought's holding the gift of somewhere. And right now, we're in a little bit of trouble. Are you fucking with us? Listen, this is a fucking mess. We're the most wanted lads in the country. We got soup terrorists. We got no superheroes. Hi! I'm Stormfront. Who? I'm the new girl. What's your fault? Oh, so what's your big plan? Uh, we'll take them for There we go. And I get my wife back. We're in.
Of course we're in. We blow it up in the air. More super terrorists will come. For all we know, these maniacs could be waiting for their chance to kill us all. Who the fuck are you? I'm just trying to help. Really? How? We are in a war, but we can fight back with an army of supermen, millions strong. Now, don't be a pussy. Laser my fucking tits. One, two, three, hit it! She's got a whole army of soups. We lost them. We need more soup! Shit. All right, what do we do? We can't just kill everyone. That's exactly what we're gonna do. Oh, great. Cool. Totally. We just need to keep our shit together. A little bit longer. You guys go ahead. You guys go ahead. I'm good. All right. Hands in the air. Like you just don't care. <laughs> Kill. Excuse me, I'm Eric Ventra. Sounds exactly. Go fuck yourself. What in the ass? Tell me something, my friend. You ever dance with the devil in the bed? I just like the sound. Let's not stand on ceremony here, Mr. Wayne. Would you care to step outside? Come to me, son of Jerome! Kneel before Zod! Why so serious? Let's put a smile on that face. I am Iron Man. I'm Batman. And he? Good to eat. Whoa! Hey! 